Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. Welcome, everybody, to a bi-week Thursday, October 19th. I'm Tim Priest with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. We're joined by Pete Sampson of The Athletic. We don't have a game to talk about this weekend other than the handful that I'm looking forward to seeing this weekend. Yes. Uh, but uh, coaches are on the road, as expected, after a few days of practice. Three days, I think, that they were together. Coaches are on the road. Uh, and there's been a lot of questions about as we reach this point, two things. One, what bowl game will Notre Dame go to? And that's where we call on Pete Sampson to uh, lend his expertise. And then, But mainly, which Notre Dame players currently on the team do we expect back? Which guys are leaving for the NFL? Which guys are going to take a sixth year, a fifth year, et cetera? So we're going to start first with players. It's something that's been asked a lot, and I'm addressing it in Thursday Thoughts. Uh, today and I think the the guys that were we're pretty sure are going to leave are Audric Estime, Joe Alt, JD Bertrand, Jack Kaiser, and and Zeke Corral. Those are the five that I would say. I don't know if I'd say they're the most likely, but you guys j- jump in here, please, and, and join the conversation. I think I agree with. I know I agree with Kaiser, Bertrand, Alt, and Estime, and I would say Howard Cross. Hard to be better than a first-team All-American if he comes back. Um, so that would be – that's his high, That's his potential ceiling if he keeps it up this year. Zeke Carell makes sense um, for multiple reasons. Um, I don't know how much better he'll get as a sixth-year center at Notre Dame. Is it possible they would want to move into the Ashton Craig era with Zeke Carell now? They may be they may be ready yeah. to do that. Yeah. I, I, although you'd still rather have both, right? If you're a coach for a Notre Dame, it's not like Zeke Carroll hurts you for having him on the roster. No, I yeah. I guess it's in my mind, I always thought that like Pat Coogan, who took some reps at center a while ago, That's... would play would play center and then Billy Schroth would start with Spindler, and that would be your interior three. But but that would also be a way where you say to Zeke, maybe try your hands at the NFL. Or, I, yeah, mean, I don't I'm know. Saying, Joe, Joe Rulf and Marcus Freeman don't not want Zeke Carl on the team. I my my sense is that Carl doesn't want to come back. And we're talking about six-year, man. I mean, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Howard Cross, I mean, I didn't include him in that because I don't have necessarily any feedback per se, but I totally agree with you, Tim. I mean, there is nothing for him to, to prove in a college football level anymore. Cam Hart for sure should leave. He should be medically advised to leave and try to make the NFL right now instead of a six. I, he, I, didn't, even, I didn't even consider him because <laughs> yeah, so he was so good. You didn't even consider that guy. Yeah. Uh, um, who do you think they could pay to stay? Well, I think they, here's the, the, the guys on my list that I'm, that I'm looking at Tyree Mills and Leah Fow. I, I think it's in the best interest of all three of those. I'm trying to look at it objectively. I think it's in the best interest of all three of them coming back. And Notre Dame needs them to come back. And Blake Blake Fisher, let, let's stop talking about Blake Fisher from the perspective that we were before the season started or last year. He's not ready for the he's not ready for the NFL. He needs to come back as well. Yeah, I mean for Fisher, like the the carrot to come back is like, you want to play left tackle? All right, let's play left tackle. Uh, yeah, and I think that that's like one. He will be uh he was already an NIL guy. Uh, for Notre Dame that would continue uh, you know with him and Ben Morrison and like there would be slots open if you know there's maybe there's a new Hartman um, but you know Estime probably won't be here um, yeah it's I would say like if I was looking at all right okay who can we who would be like a a day three pick and essentially you're making more money by staying in school at that point potentially like Mills right. Cross Leofau, Watts, um, you know, F- Fisher. Um, I think all, all those guys would it would make sense. Tyree also, right, Pete? Tyree. Yep. I keep forgetting Tyree has more eligibility, honestly. Like, I, that is, I have a mental block with him. I think that he's down to his last year and he's not. Um, I would advise Cross, if this 
I don't know how much better football cross can play to take a shot and be a healthy guy going the NFL. If I was trying, I, I mean, Howard Cross coming back would be great for Notre Dame. They're going to ask him, but I know he can make a little more money here. I feel like if he starts his NFL career and he becomes a viable, if he becomes Isaac Rochelle in a different way, he has started his career healthy. Um, you think he gets drafted higher next year than he does this year after the year he's having? I, I wonder if Cross, like what, I think Cross is a great college football player who may not be a pro prospect. Totally agree, the, but I in, bet he wants the, to try. Sure. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. Um, I don't think that he, I don't think he dominates on the professional level like he does the collegiate level, but I think that he's in the NFL for quite some time. There's just, I mean, he, you know, good teammate, great tools, uh, other than, you know, the, the, god-given uh height but yeah yeah i mean i think he hangs in the nfl for a long time the the the, the new guys to consider i guess xavier watts after a game of a lifetime um mitch and really i'm mitchell evans i don't know i'm just throwing that out there he's he's hardly developed in a handful of games but yeah. again size strength good blocker catches well i would put him in the gets a lot better by staying too yeah, no, I would agree yeah. with that. There's a lot of lot of tread left on that tire. Um, yeah. You know, and like if he comes back, he's uh, what's his name? I'm blanking on the uh, tight end, the Mackey Award type contender. I mean, he'd probably Brock be Bowers. a preseason All American because Brock Bowers isn't going to be there anymore. Um, you know, he he would come back with a lot of fanfare, um, which like it's not something I would have expected to say two months oh. ago. And I'm sure, yeah. and I'm sure Mitchell Evans himself really didn't give any consideration of that preseason Xavier Watts it, Xavier Watts needs more college seasoning but you know when you have a game like that I don't know where his head is um uh, it's it's probably in the stars because that was a ridiculous pretty ridiculous performance I would think if he does that against Clemson and on a January 1st bowl game he could consider hey man let's go He's, yeah, I mean, if he picks yeah, no, up Jaden Daniels yeah. three times in a bowl game, like yeah, that would be that would be something. Yeah. What about uh, uh, what about Jordan Batella? He's the hardest one for me because obviously yeah. he needs to come back, but he's had a journey at Notre Dame, quite a journey at Notre Dame, and maybe he would want to go. Uh, he could he could develop maybe a lot by coming back. Maybe he could develop pass rush moves that would help I him. Mean, couldn't you see him just? I mean, there there are some guys who like, hey, you know what? I, I want to play sixty five snaps somewhere instead of twenty five snaps here. Yeah. Like, I, I especially could, if he yeah. has a degree. If he, yeah, yeah, there will be there will be guys that go that route too. Where it's like we talk about guys leaving; it's not just for the NFL. Sometimes guys leave because yeah. to get more opportunity. Yeah, I think that I think that would that would actually be a pretty good decision on his part. And and I, you know, it was like uh, Tyler Buckner. Go ahead and leave Notre Dame. We we totally get it. But go somewhere where you're going to play all the time. You know you're going to play. Don't you guys think that's the first guy we've named today in the podcast that would leave? That, not that there's not other guys. That's the first guy we've named that would leave for somewhere else to play college football, though, possibly. I don't know how it would make sense for anybody else. That that's what I'm saying. Kaiser, Burrell, Cromwell. Among the, among the front runner guys. All I, the guys we've said. Maybe Kaiser would love to play 65 snaps, too, with a Probably a couple Nordame degrees. I don't know exactly where he's he at. has two already. Um, that I mean, that would be an interesting one. Like I, because like okay, if Bertrand's gone, there's that's a lot of reps to go around. Um, but I think if you're Kaiser, you've sort of been you've been in the lineup, you've been out of the lineup. You may just want to be like, you know what, I just I'm gonna go. I think so. Bertrand's got because he's got to start hitting for professional money if he can. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, I don't even. I mean, Bertrand. That's like a running back situation for him at this point. Like, go get hit for your career. He's drill. I mean, he's he's a violent physical player that needs to be yeah. paid for right. Real. And that that you know that that frame is only going to hold out for so long. No, he needs he needs to move on, and he he will. I think Kaiser will too. Uh, but yeah, no, well, Leofow. I mean, I you know I I love his 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 tool set toolbox but he should stay he's taking huge strides this year but he still has a ways to go i i i i just think it would definitely be in his best interest to do that i want to throw this out there because i don't think you guys were sitting down it was me and hansen last time with blake fisher eric asked him about playing left tackle 
and Fisher gave him a look like I have not repped at left tackle once in two years and I have no interest in it. Well, maybe yeah, I mean, that's what him, maybe, maybe, ask him, maybe, maybe going in, maybe in the season, but even going into next year, the I, he didn't say that, of course, but the surprise to me was he's like, I it would be way more difficult. Like, I, I he goes, it's a hundred percent different than right tackle. And I was like, wow, I've never heard anybody kind of delineate so much, like, oh no, mm -hmm. I'm a right tackle. I look, I, I, I didn't, we didn't go further and further on it. I am telling you exactly what happened. That's how that went down. Um, I was shocked at the response was, oh gosh, no, like that's pretty strange. Yeah. It was. I just I uh, maybe, well, maybe, he's thinking, maybe he's thinking, damn, I'm struggling right tackle. I don't want any part of left tackle. I yeah, I, I, maybe not, but yeah. Anyway, those are some of the guys. I don't know. Uh, you it's, know, um, Nana could come. They could Nana would uh, help. Nana, I didn't want to mention him. He would be a sixth year. I can re I, I remember asking him specifically last year, and of course he was in no position since he hadn't started his fifth year yet. Um they could use him. I thought he played one of his – he definitely played one of his better games against USC uh, this past week. Um, For people wondering, Carter and Ford, the transfers, do have another year, and it's always seemed to be in plan. They're going to stay for another name for that year. I mean, I'm not mentioning everybody. There are other guys that have, you know, eligibility left, but those seem to be the ones uh, – the ones that are on, on the front burner. So, hey, let's move to uh, bowl options here. Pete, uh, we rely on your expertise and ability to wrap your mind around all the inner workings of it, which I have no ability to do it. I, I, <laughs> I've tried. I have, I have no ability to do it. So I throw my I, hands up and I accede to Mr. Pete Sampson. Yes, cede the floor. Um, yeah, I, the most likely options seem to be the ReliQuest Bowl on January 1st. Um, for Notre Dame to be eligible for that, a Big Ten team has to go to the Orange Bowl. Um, which with Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State being as ranked as highly as they are is pretty likely. Um, if that happens, then it opens up ReliQuest against an SEC opponent. I sort of joked about Xavier Watts picking up Jaden Daniels in the bowl game. Uh, but that would, if you've been pining for the Notre Dame LSU, and I know who you are because you kept sending me Twitter notifications all last December about it. And I said, it's not happening. Um, this it could happen um which would be insane i'm not entirely sure the world is ready for it but um that that could happen pop tarts bowl is the old camping world bowl which is the old champ sports bowl which was briefly the, i think the cheese it bowl um so Good. that's the one in orlando um that would be that's against a i think it's still a big 12 team um that, Iowa State rematch. I like it. Iowa State's right there for us this year, right? Yeah. That's yeah. I don't. That's uh, what I want to cover that game. I don't know if uh, Iowa State is I don't going bowling that. this year. Too. Oh, no, they're um, not. It's okay. It's, the same. It's, it's another Iowa State that shows up and plays yeah. Notre Dame. So that'd be fun. Um, yeah. And then, look, I, I understand the, the the question is like, all right, well, what, what are the odds of Notre Dame going to a New Year's Six if they go 10 and 2? I think they're, I don't know, 50 50 maybe a little less than that. Um, you know, it's like not the at-large spots are the cotton has an at-large spot. Peach has two at-large spots. Um, Fiesta has one at-large spot. So those are your options. Um, so then you just look at, all right, who are the, can Notre Dame be better than four power five non-conference champions? So like on our bull prognostication on the athletic, we have the at-large teams going to Oregon, Alabama, Penn State, and Texas. Like that's that's a pretty reasonable outlook. Um, you know, even if Notre Dame went ten and two, I don't I don't know if they would jump any of those teams. Um, but there's like, look, you what you need is if you're Notre Dame is like you needed Alabama to lose to Arkansas, or you need Texas to do a Texas and like lose to somebody they shouldn't. Um, all that's all that's reasonable. Um, or in the Big Ten, they've you know they've got Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State. Like one of those schools needs to lose to two of the other ones. Um, you know, in Penn State, that's possible if not likely. Um, is, so you want you want Ohio State to win this weekend uh, if you're looking for a, a New Year's Six. Is the weird Orange Bowl tie-in? I mean, the weird ACC highest-ranked available team tie-in at play for the Orange Bowl. 
Right. Yeah. So if Notre Dame went to the Orange Bowl, which they won't, um, because then the Orange Bowl is actually the hardest of the New Year's Six games for Notre Dame to get to because they have to be ranked over every SEC, every Big Ten team that did not win their conference. Um, but if Notre Dame was to go to the Orange Bowl, then they could end up playing like North Carolina or Florida State, which I think would be awesome. Um, but that's the – it's almost impossible. Like 11-1 and one is sort of the minimum to go to the Orange Bowl. The Orange Bowl. Yeah. And nine and three still works for the Relia Quest. It does. Um, it's like they sort of like an ace. They would have to, you know, if the, you probably would have to pick Notre Dame over Clemson. And like, let's say that Notre Dame lost to Clemson, but Clemson's probably going to lose another game anyway. So it's like nine and three, nine and three. Um, they will be within like the one game parameter. Like you can't pick eight and four Notre Dame over 10 and two Clemson, but you can pick eight and four Notre Dame over nine and three Clemson or nine and three Notre Dame over 10 and two Clemson. If Notre Dame loses to Clemson and Clemson has a worse record than Notre Dame, there's a no percent chance. Some of the rely quest doesn't want Notre Dame to play LSU instead of Clemson play. LSU. Uh, you are a hundred percent correct on that one. Um, like that, that a, a Brian Kelly, Notre Dame bowl game would be. Oh my God. It's like bigger I, than, it'll be bigger than one of the it'll be bigger than two New Year's six games for people for watching at least if not I all mean four. Notre Dame is like crushing it already in terms of like television audiences this year like that will be that that's that would be just, off the charts that would just be awesome that would name be a bowl matchup Priester and Samson name a bowl matchup outside the playoff that draws more eyes than Notre Dame and LSU at ten and two in the Reliant Quest Bowl there is not can you get two teams Ohio no. State and someone uh, Oklahoma and USC. Probably for the same reason Notre Dame and LSU would be interesting. Yeah. We would have who was that, Pete? Who'd you say? Oklahoma and USC. A Lincoln Riley thing. Ah, yes, that would be good. But just think we'd be privy to, you know, Brian Kelly's tremendous uh press conference sense of humor once again. It would just <laughs> just crack just crack us up. It was, you just, saw it like I, I sent you the president. Columbia jackets. Thing. Yes, that was terrible. Okay. All right. He, was, you guys agree he was funny in smaller groups, right? Yeah. Oh, I thought he, I thought he, he was a great sense be. of humor in one on one situations. I thought so too. They're just really bad in press conferences. So. <laughs> just the never Col- The Columbia reference was just awful. Let me see. <laughs> it was just a terrible. And then, what, and then he tries it. That was a joke, you know, like, like, you know, the media is really missing out on this. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, no, we, oh, we know that was a joke. It just was bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, such that... a weird one. Like, I'm so used to his bad press conference humor that I didn't even find that weird until someone said it to me. I was like, oh, yeah, he shouldn't have said anything. Well, I, I saw it, and it was, you know, how those are, like, when you're in the crowd and he says it and you just, you feel embarrassed for him. <laughs> That's how I felt watching the, watching that that recent reference he was oh funny in those small groups he was funny he really was like pre-press conference especially like the thursdays or like the golf outing ones he had a very funny sense of humor i don't know what happened when he got in front of like 12 more people because some, some of those things only have like 20 people yeah well sign me up for that matchup but for for notre dame's sake and i know a lot of fans that a new Year's six bowl would uh would be uh, preferred, I guess, maybe a, a, a cross. Well, all right, I'll, let me posit this to you. Would you prefer Notre Dame to go to the New Year's Six and beat Penn State, or would you prefer Notre Dame to go to the Relia Quest Bowl and beat Brian Kelly? I'd rather go win a New Year's Six game against Penn State, but not against some rando team you can throw out there for me. Like Air Force. No, 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 no. Oh, no. but Penn State. I never would, think that. that would, Penn, Notre Dame Penn State would be a would be a tremendous matchup. The old uh, the old independents squaring off against each yeah. other. Those All right, what, what about like what about like Oregon? I'm trying to think of like a Ooh. a brand name Power Five team that's That'd like not a brand brand name like. Or like, uh, would you rather beat Oregon in a in the Cotton Bowl on December 29th, or would you rather beat LSU and Brian Kelly in the Relia Quest Bowl on January 1st? I think I think it's the latter. I think it is too. It is. Who would you rather lose to? You're Notre Dame fan. Oh, Oregon, oh, Oregon, geez. <laughs> That's, oh man, it's not a guarantee. I mean, I mean the the stakes of the LSU game would just. Ugh. People I think Michael Mayer actually might go come back and use his last game of eligibility. I was just going to say people would play. Everybody would be, I'm playing. This is Kyle Hamilton. I, I, I'm still <laughs> eligible, I think. 
Hey, this episode of Irish Illustrated is presented by Underdog Sports. We see a lot of you are downloading Underdog using the promo code and having fun, which we love to see. If you haven't already checked them out, be sure to do so. It's super easy to use. You go on the app and pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total than what is listed. For example, if Travis Kelsey's number is set at 50 yards and you know Taylor Swift is in the house, you may feel confident he's going to be way higher than that number. Do that with two to five different players and you're in business. If you go five for five, you can multiply your money times 20. So sign up today with promo code IRIS and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with my promo code Irish to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. There are a lot of fantasy companies out there, but we decided to partner with Underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. You must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. We'll be right back with Burning Up the Boards. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit GameDayYourWay.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles and New York. Fly in comfort to Dublin, our European hub. Go coast to coast and discover the sights of Ireland or explore any of the 50 plus European cities we connect to, including Amsterdam, London, Paris and Rome. Visit Aerlingus.com to book today. Welcome back to segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question is from Beast Texan. Who is your top breakout player for the team so far? And he offers Evans, Cross, Watts, and if we want to throw anybody else in there. Yeah, I wouldn't include, I don't think you guys would either, Howard Cross. He had a breakout year last year, so I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in that category. And this is actually, John Bryce is going to have a story today or tomorrow, just kind of getting all of our opinions about various, you know, breakout players, et cetera. Uh, mine, mine is Evans. I, I, I didn't, I mean, I just didn't expect that kind of ability, that kind of athleticism strength we know him as a blocker he's he's still a tremendous blocker um but what he's done in the last i guess he kind of got uh held up a little bit by usc but the stretch of games leading up to that he's been really really good i didn't anticipate that happening watts is watts is a i mean that we wouldn't he wouldn't even be on the list if it wasn't for last week so i don't i don't like to make a pick based upon one game mm, I, I don't know if I, that? I think I, I don't. I, I think Watts has had a really good season. Um, and then last season, last week was just ridiculous. Um, if I was, I might actually pick somebody off the list because, like, I would travel back in time with me to the Blue Gold game. And what had Javante Jean Baptiste shown you that made you think, like, well, this guy's going to help? And I, I think he's been outstanding. He's been tremendous. We didn't see anything of him in the spring. And I'm sure that there were moments where he was where he was pretty good, but we but again, he's learning a new a new he's around new people, new system. You know, I, I you, you gotta you gotta cut a I guy. Mean, he he opened training camp in the fall as a number two. Yeah. Well, he didn't start the first guy. You know, I thought that they were going to I thought Asafa Mensa would probably start most of the year, but JJB was just too good to to go that route yeah yeah if you look at our lists um i mean priester and i had priest you had 
same as me, had Watts 12th preseason. That's that's high. He's about 10th right now. Um, he's been very good. Uh, I had Evans 13. So I, I loved Evans. However, I liked Evans so much, I still think he's the breakout player, even though I had him the 13th ranked player on the team <laughs> coming in. That's how good he's been for me. Yeah. Great point on JJB. I hadn't thought of that. Um, Preetster and I ranked him very close. We were one away. I forget what it was. This is bad radio again. Um, 24 and 25. Yo. That's that, a big difference. Well, we did. I mean. Evan Sinclair had him 17. He had him up there. You know who's way below what we had, Preetster? Not to uh, put us on blast here when no one to ask for it. <laughs> I had a, I had Carter 20 and you had Carter 20 the transfer yeah I just yeah. thought he'd hit the I thought he'd hit the yeah. ground running that was probably pretty foolish he wasn't even a safety before coming to Notre Dame so that was pretty fool. I we look we like the we like the skill set is what yeah. we like to, yeah. you know and and it's still there he he's doing a nice job on special teams he'll play a more prominent role next year uh especially if Watts were inclined to leave DJ Brown you know will will finally be gone after six years. So, um, yeah, preseason picks, man. They're hard to do sometimes. Yeah, but I think, I mean, I love Mitchell Evans, and he's way better. Than oh, I you did great. You did great on that. I had him, what, 16th or 18th yeah, or something? Yeah, but I mean, he's been great. It's just. Yeah. I was still surprised every time he did it for two weeks. All those catches. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Mitchell Evans. Now it's just like, I can't believe Mitchell Evans had a ball knocked out of his hands is how good he's become. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he didn't, and he, he did not catch it well at all at NC State. I mean, he, he, and then he, I mean, was that pre concussion or post concussion? Because then he missed Central Michigan. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, and then coming out of Central Michigan, you did, that's when he broke out. You just, Ohio State. No, yeah. yeah, we had, there was no way to anticipate that. He's doing a great job. Hope he comes back. Question from Jay Burke 87 Where did that pressure from the D, D line come from? against USC why hadn't we seen more of that before what changed where they could get pressure on the quarterbacks without linebackers blitzing I mean they have had really good pressure um this season with the exception of a game and a half maybe the Louisville game they didn't have very good pressure they had really they had tremendous pressure against Duke as people that's why they won the game yeah but I was I, I kept lumping the lines accidentally by saying the lines you're like well one line played bad one line played great um now they they got home and they got their sacks in this one. Some of it is they had Caleb Williams in a position where he had to rally the troops at the end. He had to stick in there a little bit more. I mean, what a scheme by Al Golden. We heard all about it on the broadcasts and they executed. No offense. Guys do have to make tackles. Golden's not a puppeteer. He was able to let some guys make tackles and they made them. It's yeah, just, I, I was just sorry, like, the combination of plan and execution against that level of offense is just off the chart. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was it was chef's kiss uh, for Al Golden, but I would say like their pressure rate is, I think, been misunderstood all season because their sacks have been down. Like they've had a top ten pressure rate uh, pretty much all year, and it's the reason that they've created as many picks as they have. You know, they haven't got as many sacks as they would have liked um, until last weekend, but um, they're the ability to get pressure with just four has been a, a shock to me. Um, I, that, that the defensive line position is not just most improved. I think it's a straight revelation for me. Um, cause I did not think that they were going to have the horses on the D line at all. And man, they've been outstanding and not to nitpick, but I mean, they did bring five the whole time against USC. They were, they were bringing, oh, that's true. they were bringing blitzers against yeah. USC, but you yeah. have to, you have Caleb Williams there. You can't, yeah. it's, well, they were and they were disguised very well, which which I'm sure USC would uh, agree with that. I want to part of this question is what changed where they could get pressure. You know what changes every week? The offensive line that you go against. It's not just it's you can't judge Notre Dame just Notre Dame. It's the opponent that they're going against too. Now it's been better than uh, as as Samson pointed out, it's been better than Jay Burke eighty seven anticipated. But this is something I'm always going back to. It's that it's there's another team playing, and the other team plays a role in dictating what happens on the field. I think we forget that when we're cheering for one team over another. Back to back questions here from F J Cat, starting with F J Cat. Tommy Reese did more with less as an offensive coordinator last year. Jared Parker appears to be learning on the job and has become predictable as demonstrated by defenses of late. 
He has four or five games to prove himself. Do you think Marcus Freeman will stick with Parker if the offense continues at its current level? And then a question from Irish Fire Captain. What are your thoughts on Notre Dame bringing in someone to help Parker? Is that a possibility or something that's just not in the cards? Pretty excited. We have somebody talking positively about Tommy Reese on a uh, what he did with the offense last year. I don't remember that last year when he was here. They, no, I mean, they we referenced doing, the Stanford game just a couple minutes ago. Yeah, <laughs> they would be doing a lot more uh, with Sam Hartman as a quarterback with, with, if Tommy Reese was the offense coordinator. I think that that is true. I believe that to be true, but we'll never know. No, we won't. Um, bringing in somebody to help Parker, I don't think that's reasonable. Um, I think that would. I don't, I don't even know what that would mean at this point. There's four games left. No, they no. mean next year. It means oh, next, next year. year. Next year. Oh. Next year. If he were to come back. That would have been prudent this year. The the Bob Elliott, the late the late Bob Elliott type that would come be the advisor, the David Cutcliffe type. I'm not not David Cutcliffe, but you know, there's guys like yeah. that that exist. Um <clears throat> that would have been a good idea for a first year coordinator, I do think, in the offseason. Last offseason. Uh do you think Marcus Freeman will stick with Parker if the offense continues at his current level? So against these four teams, if Notre Dame averages, well, this is tough because they scored against USC. Um, so if Notre Dame's somewhere in the 23, 24 points a game the rest of the year against these four teams, that would be underachieving offense for an entire, for, for the bulk of the season, you would call it an underachieving offense. Because you do have to throw away, not throw away, that's not what they say it, but you have to you have to wait the games like Tennessee state's offense and Navy's offense. Navy's offense was important because you had to go win that first game. I, I understand they had a perfect, they played great, executed great. Um, you do have to wait the offense's efforts against the nine power five. And if you started doing that now, you know that their scoring level is not what it needs to be compared to Tennessee state, central Michigan and Navy. I hate yeah, using Navy because Navy's a tough opening. Like you don't know what's going on in that game. I get like the operationally they were that's outstanding. What I mean. They're outstanding. Navy. And like, yeah. That that was, but that was just like, all right, you've cleared the first hurdle of being a, a power right. five college offense. Like being Good operationally point. sound is not something that you want to be talking about in week eight. Um, and like, I think that, you know, the USC scoring output is not really down to the offense. Um, you could make an argument that the NC state scoring output was like, they did some great adjustments in that game. They also had some short fields to work with. And like, I don't know if, you know, it's like the ADR touchdown run was was great, um, but it's what uh, we're at five power five teams at this point. The offense has played well in one of them. The I think the offense played well against Ohio State, and if we're gonna nitpick what they did against NC State, maybe we should say they had a seventy-one yard drive against Ohio State where they didn't score. They had a 71 yard drive, a 75 yard drive to score, a 96 yard drive to go ahead. Like these are, they had one, they had zero three and outs against Ohio State. That was wild. I mean, yeah. they played well that game. They well, Melly and I are going to pound the drum on the Ohio State performance forever. I actually agree with Pete on this, though. I thought, okay, I thought Notre Dame's offense, considering everything, played better against Ohio State with no three and outs that NC State when they had huh. six three and outs. Like, yeah. it, it, at least the argument exists. In, is, that's a reasonable, yeah. That's a reasonable position. What about that? You scored 45 against Ohio State. Where are the deep shots? Where are the deep shots, Tim? They're gone. They are gone. They're gone. It's, uh, I think, in the last four games, Hartman on passes of 20 plus yards are, is, let me pull it up. I've got her in front of me, two of 16. Name one guy that can go deep except the guy that caught a deep touchdown pass. Well, there's right no guy. Name one guy. They can go yeah, deep. I'm sorry. He's football the, the first four games on uh, passes of 20 yards or more, nine of 12, 374 yards, six touchdowns. Last four games, three of 16 for 110 yards, two touchdowns. Amazing. Yeah. And I would agree. You know, that Hartman had, I mean, he's, he hasn't thrown the ball as accurately in the last four games as he did in the first four. And there are reasons for that. Um, you know, Pete, I think you mentioned it last Thursday. Is it, is his knee still bothering him or, or, but the, the demarcation was the central, central Michigan game. But 
the white the whiteouts. I did a story earlier this week about um, you know targets uh, and, and you know a guy like Merriweather can go deep, but it's just it's such a low percentage decision that you know they've chosen not to do that a whole lot. So um, I got to like this is probably not enough deep shots if you think about it, but. 19 for 36 deep. So this is over 20 yards. 10 touchdowns and zero interceptions. I think that's a pretty good job, deep effort by a quarterback, don't you? 10 touchdowns, zero picks, though 19 of 36. Um, so he's over 50%, but 10 touchdowns, zero picks. That's a heck of a job. And you're looking at about, oh, 600 yards. That's Would you take that for a deep passer? Yeah, so like the way that's I Drew, that's it, Drew Pine last year for Notre Dame. Okay, I was gonna say I thought you were saying that was Hartman or something. I was like those numbers don't add up. Um, that's Drew Pine last year. Yeah, I mean Drew Pine was a really good play action passer, and Sam Hartman for reasons that are completely over my head is not. And I don't get that either. I don't because yeah, that's like Drew Pine's deep shots were often off play action. He was a good play action passer because, or he's a good deep shot. Thrower. He wasn't a good deep ball thrower. But he was a good play action passer, is how yeah. I would. He wasn't a good deep ball thrower. I agree. But 10 what did Jason Garrett say during the game? Yards. <laughs> he said it. He said it more than this past week. He he said it at least two, maybe three times that Sam Hartman's the best deep ball quarterback in in college. Yeah, what that was a strange one to me. I mean, it's based upon a lot of I mean, when he was at Wake Forest. No, I know. Had right, a, so let's... Had, a, had a great had a, had a really great whiteout core in, in 2022. Yeah. I, Sam Hartman this year, by the way, is 10 touchdowns and zero picks deep. Yeah. Um, but he is 14 for 30, 16 for 38. That's about the same. Um, yeah, I, I have him said, at, he was great early. <laughs> That's 12 of, I have him at 12 of 28, which like, if you are a little under 50% on deep shots, like that's actually really good. Um, the problem is like, you can't be three of 16 over a four game stretch. Well, especially the four game stretch. Yeah. The lack of play action. That what make sense, any sense to you? What sense does okay. that make with Audrey? Well, it's Cat- like when he's done it, he hasn't been good. Um, and if you look at his wake forest career, his completion percentage off play action, I believe, was lower than straight drop back all four years. Yeah, I remember looking at that, and I wondered if it was a function of their offense. But now it turns out maybe it was not a function of their offense. Like that's the there wasn't their offense. Everything was play action. That's why action. I didn't understand what they were saying was play action. It made no sense. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, because um, people want more play action, but it's like actually not an efficient use of Sam Hartman's skills based on Sam Hartman's statistics all right we're going to move on another question here we are on that one for like 20 minutes uh irish from a2 how many of the current coaches on the staff will be on the staff next year over under four and a half over Over. Over. yeah Yeah, i'm deaf i'm i'm over on that too uh there we go we made up for the 20 minute question over over over. yeah Um, that's under we're we're, uh, no we can't it's not going to be pleasant because everybody wants to know (laughs) <laughs> who are the five that are leaving i don't see that listed on here there is <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, you guys can tackle that on monday's podcast next week well i mean just you know i i'm not i'm not going to say this guy well i'm gonna i am gonna mention a couple names here but just because of the circumstances dylan mccullough wants to be in the nfl yeah, we've been Dino saying that since we interviewed him the first time we interviewed him. So yeah. <laughs> it's no, okay to stay on theme here. <laughs> then the first he wants to be a head coach. I think that he feels like it's about to happen for him. Chris O'Leary was on the verge of had almost had an opportunity to be in the NFL. Um, those are two that come to mind. I know that the, again, those probably aren't the people that well, Mike Mickens will be wanted by many. He's developed cornerbacks at yep. an alarming rate yep. for I mean an incredible yep. rate. L. Golden's opportunities uh, certainly have opened up tremendously here in the yes. last month. Yes, they have. Pretty astonishing, considering he was he uh, was committing fireable offenses to many as recently as a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, Jared Parker. I, look, first of all, uh, this notion that, and I keep seeing this that. Jared Par- oh Jared Parker is is uh Marcus Freeman's friend he won't fire him 
I don't believe that. I mean, I believe they're friends and I believe that they have a history as of, you know, coaching together. But I think, I think Marcus Freeman will make the hard decisions when it comes to his coaching staff. I agree hundred percent. Yep. So they have three first year coaches when we're doing the over under. Um, and then obviously mostly second year coaches other than Mick and O'Leary. I can't remember when O'Leary officially started. He was pre-predated. Okay. Mickens and O'Leary are the holdovers. Yeah. Um, so if they have four second year coaches, three first year coaches, and two holdovers that stayed with Marcus Freeman. Why am I missing a coach? Oh, special teams. They have four first year coaches, Marty Biaggi as well. So it's definitely gonna be over five. We'll be staying, I think. I, I for, so. uh, Pete, in your opinion, uh, Tim as well, maybe we talked about this a little bit on, on Monday. Would you, uh, if Al Golden leaves, would you elevate Pete Sampson? Would you elevate Mike Mickens to defensive coordinator? I heard your discussion on that. I don't know. I don't know if I would. What, what I don't understand is, why, well, here's what I don't understand. Why fans are like, yeah, do it. A guy that's never been, you want a guy that's never been a defensive coordinator to be Nordame's defensive coordinator. I think, I think that if, I mean, it's the same reason uh, I think fans wanted Brian Hartline as the offensive coordinator because he's an awesome recruiter um, and a good well, developer, of it, a very good developer of his position. But that's totally different than being a coordinator. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I just don't know if I would because it's like, it's not something that Marcus Freeman considered when he hired Al Golden. Has something changed in the last two years that he would now versus like going after like Joe Rossi at Minnesota again? Uh, I don't I don't know the answer to that. I think I mean, the argument for it is in the last two years is Mike Mickens has developed Notre Dame to best cornerback tandem in the country, which is impossible to ever imagine in the last 35 years of watching Notre Dame football. Yeah, he's. I mean, he is a great, great position coach. Yes, and that's why great. he's a possible coordinator going somewhere else in the future. Was my entire argument Monday. Mike Mickens will ex- one day expect to be a defensive coordinator. Maybe that has to be at somewhere not as highly thought of as Notre Dame, the top of the food chain. I can, but Mike, you might be looking at how do you keep Mike Mickens? Who do you bring in a coordinator instead? That's it's a huge. I mean, it's a huge question. For Marcus Freeman, because you don't want to. What if you fail at your coordinator call and you lose Mike Mickens? Yeah, yeah, that's what. Uh, look, it's no disrespect to Mike Mickens. I, uh, along with what Samson's saying, I think he's an absolutely tremendous cornerbacks coach. But you know, part of the reason they uh, a lot of people didn't want Jared Parker to come in was because of his inexperience as a coordinator. And now you're saying yeah. Mike Mickens, and I and I and I realize a lot of that opinion is based upon the fact that he's develop these two sensational cornerbacks that were just absolutely it it blows me away how good they were against that that uh that group of receivers at USC. A lot of that had to do with the pressure up front. But Ohio State. Yeah. Uh yeah, I just like this is a question that like in all honesty like we cannot answer. That's my it. feeling of this. That's we don't, why I don't we don't know, know what Mickens does behind the scenes with golden that like, maybe there's some leadership opportunities there to craft game plans in a more significant way. I have no idea. In fairness to Notre Dame, they are four for four in their last four defensive coordinator hires with four home runs. Yeah. And it's like El goal. Like, somebody like Marcus Freeman was the worst of the four. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, only I don't had know one year. Freeman, he only had one year. He might've been a promoted head coach. It's gotta be a home run. I, that's what I, was, I don't know that that'd be a, <laughs> Home run based upon that one year of defense, but was his defense the worst of the six years? Maybe though, I'm just I obviously it was a home run. I, they got a head coach out of it, but like, no, I okay. think probably <laughs> true. It was that's insane. Uh, Elko, you know, had Elko stuck around for a second year, it would have been God. measurably better. Well, yeah, and Clark it, has the best unit of this whole group. Yeah, yeah. People did not like the Clark Lee promotion to defensive coordinator. No, they didn't. Um it worked out okay. <laughs> he was the be- he was good lord. He was the best. Well, I mean, Golden's rivaling him now. But uh, anyway, moving on from that, we think there are going to be coaching changes, just like last year, and it will be another miserable January and February for us. Question from Joe Ty: This year's transfers 
have been a great addition to the team. Thomas Harper, Jean-Baptiste, Spencer Schrader, Devin Ford, and Sam Hartman all have made great impact on the field. What positions will Notre Dame look for in the portal this offseason? Uh, I hope nickel, because I think for, I asked Marcus Freeman that in September, he kind of was like, well, we want to develop our guys. And I thought you should develop a fifth year dude. That's really great. Like Thomas Harper again. Uh, Quarterback is number one for me. I hope nickel. Don't think running back is necessary at all this time with the two guys coming in and with what you should have back. Now, obviously somebody could just leave out of the price, love, pain trio Ford. even. I don't think you will. Um, Kicker forever and a day for the rest of our lives. Let's think. I've been upset for a while. Offensive lines and no, usually. Uh, tight end is no. <laughs> tight end, you just can't come in and sit on the bench forever. Let's see. Um, wide receiver is absolutely 100% unequivocally huge to bring in a player that can play. Two. Two, sorry. Yeah, two, sorry, two. <laughs> two. Timing in. No, you're, you're right, you're right. Uh, I mean, obviously, a guy like Javante Jean-Baptiste, I didn't know he was going to exist in the portal, so anything like that is great at defensive end as well, although we, yeah, defensive end too. I'm, I'm with, of this position, the only group not to bring in on these five positions is running back. So quarterback, nickel, defensive end, and kicker for sure, and as Priester said, two wide receivers. I agree with all, or all that. Um, Safety? Well, it depends, right? Watt stays, Henderson stays, Schuler, Minnick, Carter. You need it. If Watt stays, you need it less because you have five plus your three freshmen. Yeah, I, that it would be sort of adjust to the the hand that you've been dealt, depending on if Watts is is here or not. But so um, this year, quarterback is, is yeah, that's essentially. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop ahead to a question on that to address that. But first, I wanted to say that. So th- they have eight transfers this year. That's that's the most, right, that they've had, right? They will exceed that. I am predicting they will exceed that. They will exceed that. I was going to say easily, but they'll right. exceed. Probably won't be easily, but I agree they'll exceed. I'm with you. Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I think the roster transformation will be significant. I, I, I do. More significant than last year. And I agree with you, Tim, because a lot of guys were talking about staying in six years and all that. Like some of these guys just don't want to stay six years. Not Osafa Mensa has graduated a long time ago. He, they're all, a lot of them are just ready to move on and try to play professional football too. And yeah, I want to, I want to jump ahead to a question that kind of ties into that one. It's from Phila, Philadelphia fell. Uh, how much of a priority do you think the staff will place on reviewing the 2024 quarterback situation, both during the bye week and the remainder of the season? Will there be actual game minutes based on the latest offensive performance? I'm not sure that will be the case. Is bye week and bull prep practice sufficient to get an early read on 2024? Um, I think they have their early read on 2024, and I'm positive you guys agree with me. Yeah, they're going to get a transfer quarterback. Absolutely. Yes. I hope they didn't that, put a that, second that bye week. Yeah. Who it is, I have no idea. But that will actually, happen. Actually, Sam Hartman should rest both bye weeks because I think he's playing hurt. But so if you want to look yeah, at that, I way. would just wherever they go with that, um, I would prefer that they they find somebody who has started. I completely a lot yes. opposed to like, ooh, we recruited him and he's been a backup somewhere. I think they'll do that, Pete, if the right guy is out there and wants Notre Dame. But you oh, don't want to Cohen level, yes. Yeah, you don't want to force fit somebody that is experienced, but you don't really like his ability compared to say a guy that's been in college for a year, which they can still, you know, in terms of transfers, it's easier for them to get a guy that's been in college for one year or a guy that's been in college for four or five years. Yeah. The freshman year of guys study. That, yeah, is- right. It's the it's the guys in between. That, that are harder for academically, academically, it's harder for Notre Dame to bring them in. So I think to your point, it's the guy that's, you know, really experienced, but if he's not what you want, then you go with maybe the better talent that's, that's younger. I, I, I just don't know if the, the better talent who's younger is going to help you all that much. Like, it's just a huge gamble. And you already have guys on your roster to gamble. No, it is. No, preferably yeah. it's the guy with experience. And we're confident in where the three of us are confident in saying 
that that's the route that they're they intend to go or they they they're going to look to to going to uh question from uh donnelly 3434 nordame took a lot of three-star players in the 2024 cycle and looked to be repeating that to some degree in 2025 is this Hedging approach or reaction to losing Dante Moore, Keon Keeley, and Peyton Bowen, or a matter of circumstance, or both? Isn't it always both? Yeah, I mean, it's like if they had landed Justin Scott, and it would be phrased a little like they're they're still trying to get those guys. They're just really hard to catch. So you'd rather have a three star guy than nobody at all. Yeah, and I think in this instance with this class, you know, Bryce Young. Kedron Young, um, there's two Youngs in this class. Uh, Logan Saldate, I mean, those guys were, and there are others, those guys were three stars that are now elevated to four stars. Nordame's not recruiting based upon how we in the business rank them. They're recruiting on guys that they think are, whether they're rated two, three, or four, that are legitimate four to five star players in their mind that are good fits. That That's always cultural fits, fit to the program, et cetera, is always going to come into play. When you're talking about Notre Dame. Yeah, I was going to say the three star, they don't identify them as three stars. They wouldn't be going in on them that early is the best way of saying it. Whether they're right or not is not proven, but they don't go in early on the three star because they think they better backfill at this point. I don't not at this point, but back when back in the summer. Yeah, yeah, it's a more of a December decision. Yeah. Yeah, that has to happen sometimes. From pin and pull, what freshman does Notre Dame feel good about? Which freshman does Notre Dame feel good about long term? Yeah, it, it was fresh man, not fresh men. I think we're obviously going to uh, say more than a few names here. Uh, Chris, the first one that comes to mind for me, that was Christian Gray. Right. I mean, that, that that's that's a guy that they feel very, very confident that long term, he's going to be a really good football player. Yeah, the obvious or leaving the obvious aside, Christian Gray would be one and Treori would be two. Would you go that route if you go to one, two? Would we have said Traore a week ago now? Yeah, what the staff feels good about, Traore? Yeah. yeah, I think we would have. For sure, yeah. I don't know that he would have been the one of the first ones I would have mentioned. I would have said Osbury. I would have said Drake Bowen. It looks like said... Osbury down a little bit. He's got four games played and <laughs> stopped. Yeah, stop. Um, I would have said Brennan Vernon, although maybe we like him better than they do. I'm not sure about that, actually. Yeah, I don't know. It. Uh, I think. I mean, all all those are the hits. Um, they like Pendleton. Pendleton. I I did write him down. Cooper Flanagan's a. You know, obviously, they they love Jeremiah Love. I think they're high on uh, a Don Schuler. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we're. I'm. I'm Better sure. mean question would be who don't they like the best? No, I would say. Uh, <laughs> but Flores, Great House, Love, Kit, and Cooper Flanagan are givens. I mean, Cooper Flanagan's played seven <laughs> games. <laughs> seven yeah, games. If you've burned a year, then they like you. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Gray has burned. He played eight games. They like Jagasa, and which is great news because we yeah. thought he was reporting yeah. in uh, bad shape, and apparently he was not. He already got rid of it quickly, and that wasn't a knock on him. He had a he had a knee surgery, which we thought was big yeah. Game. I I personally would throw an absher again. I don't know that they feel that way. I uh, like what I saw when we saw him in August. Uh, but that's a bunch. Houston, Devin Houston was a two-time scout team player of the week, if that means anything. I mean, Bowen's a great call. That That's Drake Bowen got elevated too. that once you come, when you get elevated bef- after training camp, they like you. Yeah. This is an O'Malley special here uh, from ND15 Irish. More ACC wins this season. Nordame football or Nordame men's basketball? Uh, uh, for the record, Nordame has two wins over ACC right now. Wake Forest and Clemson still to come. Are you going to include Stanford in there as well as an ACC win? <laughs> oh, uh, not yet. Not yet. Um, push. Uh, <laughs> actually pushes probably, no, that, that's probably the most likely mathematically I, it's not but i yeah. think it could happen um you gotta go four four below or six or above and five's threading quite a needle. four and one versus four and 16 that the <laughs> that's what we're talking about right yeah for, for, um, the record, uh, for the record cbs i believe they had five or six voters uh for the for the acc season there are 15 basketball teams 
in the ACC, whether it was four or five, <clears throat> excuse me, four or five or five or six picked Notre Dame to finish last. One of them picked Louisville to finish last and Notre Dame to finish 14th. So last year was three and they finished second to last. Louisville had two, but the next team was Georgia Tech with six. Can Notre Dame try its way to five wins? I say yes. I think Notre Dame men's basketball team will push at five or find a miracle. I'll just say, I still say push. I don't say below. I think Notre Dame will find a way to win two more games than they did last year. They stopped. I mean, last year they stopped caring at some point. There's not. Yeah, that was a pr- I mean, they were good enough to win some more of those games. When they had, you know, when they had blown out every game, it was usually a competitive game. And then, oh, it slipped away from them. Yeah, I say yeah, I say Notre Dame's best well, basketball team pushes or wins more. Yeah, I say they're not going to be very good. We move on to a question from. And I might even go so far as to say they're probably going to stink. Uh, question from Penny Cowers and <laughs> O'Malley Priester and Bryce will be going to every three games instead of every two, and that's a godsend. Question <laughs> from Penny Cowers: Marcus Freeman is twice the big game coach that Brian Kelly was. How does he fix the issue of playing down to opponents such as Louisville, Stanford, Marshall, et cetera? That ultimately will sink him if he doesn't get it fixed. Can we go to every third media day too, Tim? Is that, does that work out? <laughs> yeah, this is. You yeah. take five minutes, you take five minutes, you take five minutes. <laughs> now we're all going to be there today. Uh, it's lovely. Um, do it, by the way, we do have basketball media day. Yeah, if people yeah. don't know that, they, I wanted to make sure we let people know that because they still don't care. Um, we have 15 allotted minutes with uh, Micah Shrewsbury. Not more, but maybe less. Playing down to the level of opponents such as Louisville, Stanford, and Marshall is a bit disingenuous in that Louisville's a top 25 team at home, and that place is nuts, and they have talent. Marshall is a FBS group of five team, and Stanford was one of the worst teams in the country last year. So playing down the level of the opponent is a killer for a coach at Notre Dame because unless you have one of those breaks in the schedule, which occasionally happens, you also have a couple really, really good teams. That's hard to sweep. Um, I said the number one thing for Marcus Freeman was to learn to, over, he could overcome adversity. By the way, it happened again. Somebody on the board keeps questioning me what adversity, adversity he's ever overcome. Again, overcame adversity to kill USC. It is hard to learn how to win and to win consistently and to, when you're pumped up by everybody in the world that loves Marcus Freeman and the Nordic football team right now, it's that's where it's hard to coach sometimes. Case in point, the next game. Yeah, I think that, I mean, Marcus Freeman taps into the emotions of the moment more than Brian Kelly did. I, I don't I don't know if that's intentional or just sort of like his default setting. Um, but the moment, I mean, this is why Brian Kelly didn't do it, is because once you start tapping into those emotions, there's the dip in the emotions yeah. too. And you have nothing in that well when you try to go to it. So... I thought like one of the biggest growth points that I wanted to see from Marcus Freeman this year wasn't so much Ohio State, USC, Clemson. It was the other nine games. Uh, I think that we've kind of seen it, but I want to see Pittsburgh, Stanford, Wake Forest be three up, three down uh, and play well in that process. That that would... Frankly, that's going to be more informative to me than whether they beat Clemson or not. Hey, Brian Kelly went undefeated in the regular season three of his last 10 years, right? Am I correct in that? He went undefeated during the regular season three of his last. Oh, 10 yeah. Well, no, yeah. like 11 years. Yeah. I mean, he did in his last. So they didn't year, play. So. They didn't play any big games and didn't play any big games in, in those years or. Didn't play nearly as many as Marcus is playing. Actually, they didn't because I when you look at not not any Tim, but when I was thinking about this the other day, you've tried to figure out the five biggest wins of the last five years. They're the same as the five biggest wins of the last 10 years. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, Brian Kelly had four top 10 wins in 154 games and Marcus has two and 22. I think that's right. They didn't play as many either. They really didn't. I, I was going to say, I mean, Kelly didn't have a chance to play against a, a a top 10 USC team. But it still counts that he didn't. I mean, that's what I I'm saying. He really I, did not. I, 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 it just I, like, I think Mark Marcus has shown uh, an ability to get Noreen to rise above the level of competition in big games, but he's still got to like 
I think Marcus Fina is a very high ceiling and a lower floor than you need right now. He's got to he's got to work on the floor. Brian Kelly was a low ceiling, high floor, and the BK, and like even though the ceiling was low, it was still pretty high. If that makes any sense. Yeah, BK had three really big wins. I would say at home in his last five years was five years was his run right when it, after yeah. sixteen. He had 17 USC. It doesn't matter if they're 10 or 12. They were 12 and undefeated Sam Darnold. That was a great win. 17 USC, 18 Michigan, which ended up being an amazing win because Michigan was great until the very end of the year there. And, of course, 20 Clemson. Um, but before that, like 6, 15, he just didn't play a good enough team other than Clemson and Stanford, and they lost. 14, Michigan just didn't trend correctly. They weren't good enough, you know, and, and he went out to play USC, and they – it just it kind of broke badly a couple of years for Kelly when they had good teams. Like USC wasn't that good during Brian. He Kelly. had a very down USC. Like over the course yeah. of his twelve years at Notre Dame, USC was like barely mediocre. Like one year they went out there when they were broken, and USC was really good, and USC hung forty nine. Yeah, on them. I mean it's like this this year's USC game. It's the first time Notre Dame and USC has been a top twenty five game in consecutive years since oh five oh six. Skip over the entire stuff. Brian Kelly era at that point. Yeah. He had three really big wins in that stretch. Um, and then on the road, uh, like Syracuse was a very big win at the time. It just sounds different than saying Ohio State or Clemson or somebody like that. But Syracuse is a 12th ranked team and uh, one loss, right? When they played him. What in the... year was that? 18? Yeah. They're, they're number 12. They're number 12. Yeah, it doesn't count. No, it does not as much. I, I agree. Like winning yeah. at Michigan State in 2012, like that was a top 10 game. Like I don't, it was a nice road win. Yeah, the Oklahoma one was massive that year yes. as opposed to the Michigan State win. I know what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, it's like Oklahoma was was Oklahoma eighth, I think. Was that right? Yeah. It's almost like you beat he beat really good teams that aren't classic programs, and that does hurt your perception of things. Like if you beat number 15 Utah, it's a really yeah. good win. And but... like look, to to Brian Kelly's defense, or maybe like a Marcus Freeman jury still out, like a lot of Brian Kelly's top 10 losses were in the playoff or yes. the national championship <laughs> game. Like yeah, that's, that's huge. <laughs> that's when you're getting top five teams that were like are on their stuff. Um, Marcus Freeman hasn't played any of those games yet. I I just think undefeated regular seasons are a little bit underrated when you do it three out of 10 times. You're winning. You're <laughs> we're not, we're not arguing against you. We're saying no, Brian, I, didn't I think have they're, any big they're accurately rated as being very important um, yeah, and hard to, to do. Like Brian Kelly beat human nature as a head coach. Like I have a huge amount of respect for his ability to do that. Yeah. We're going to wrap up with a question from Tom, the intern. My predict, my projections model has Notre Dame find, uh, finishing three and one down the stretch. Notre Dame is a minus 10 versus Pitt with a, this is a, uh, Irish Illustrates, uh, Tom's will or the intern who has a Z low algorithm that uh that he uses to predict games so uh Nordy minus 10 against Pitt, 77 percent chance of win clemson it is uh clemson minus one with a 45 percent chance of winning wake forest minus 10 78 chance of winning and then stanford minus 17 86 win probability is that fair given given notre dame's performance and their remaining opponents uh i would make Stanford less likely as a win. I think Stanford is bad, but I'm not sure that I would go like 86%. Um, and then Pitt is just, who knows, it's Pat Narduzzi. Like, he does, he does, Pat Narduzzi doesn't follow the rules of math. No, I was going to say, I thought you were going the other way, Pete, and I was about to lose it. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. I think there's a much better chance they beat Wake Forest than Pitt. I mean, I think they're going to win both games, but I'm, I'm saying. I think it's hard. I also think there's a better than 45% chance they beat Clemson and that I could at least put it at 52% or something along those lines. If I were to, you know, I don't, I don't, I think they're going to, they're a better team than Clemson and they will play well in that game. Um, That's the way I look at Tim. They're a better yeah, team than yeah. Clemson and they, they, I hate to say should, cause it's at Clemson, but. They should play well though. They should be they able should to play, play well. well. I, I agree. They yeah. should play well. And I, I'm going to go there expecting them to beat Clemson. How's that? Yeah, I agree with you. And I think I'd be expecting them to beat Stanford too. But Pete, you make a great point. Stanford will come with a little bit more than I thought in that game. They'll have a little yeah, bit. I mean, if, if Notre Dame will, well, they could potentially go to Stanford at nine and two. So they would have won 
five straight, right? Like, yeah. we'll be top ten. I, would, I mean, should they hammer Stanford? Maybe, but like, I wouldn't mess around out there. Like, that's no. I was we we wouldn't have fallen. We I mean, God, I, could you imagine the narrative that week? Notre Dame has played 12 games in 14 weeks. They're exhausted. We wouldn't have felt that way about Stanford had they not come uh, come back against Colorado. No, no. And I, and I I I haven't really delved into Pittsburgh yet, and I know that the quarterback's numbers for Pitt that replaced Jerkovic were sub-50%, but he did some good things. We wouldn't feel this way about Notre Dame if they didn't just do this to USC. Very true. Yeah, I mean, it's like every you're 100% days, going boy, out Come on, man. That's, yeah, that's the, the transitive days. property of Notre Dame-USC and USC-Stanford. Notre Dame should win that game by 68 points. <laughs> every seven days, man, we got a different outlook. This has been a marathon of a uh, podcast. We're going to wrap up with that. We'll be back on Monday as we start talking about Notre Dame versus Pittsburgh in Notre Dame Stadium on Saturday, 3.30, October 28th. No night game next up. That's good to know. Until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson, this has been Irish Illustrated Insider.